Isaiah chapter 12. And in that day thou shalt say, I will give thanks unto thee, O Jehovah. For though thou wast angry with me, thine anger is turned away, and thou comfortest me. Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and will not be afraid. For Jehovah, even Jehovah, is my strength and song, and he has become my salvation. Therefore with joy shall ye draw water out of the wells of salvation. And in that day shall ye say, Give thanks unto Jehovah. Call upon his name. Declare his doings among the peoples. Make mention that his name is exalted. Sing unto Jehovah, for he hath done excellent things. Let this be known in all the earth. Cry aloud and shout, thou inhabitant of Zion, for great in the midst of thee is the Holy One of Israel. Let us pray. <coughs> o Lord our God, indeed thou hast shown thyself great in our midst again and again throughout the years. Thou hast shown thyself great in the midst of ourselves, as it were, with regard to the regeneration of hearts. And we thank thee and praise thee. Thou hast shown thyself to be great in all things and many things in preserving the scriptures for us for these many years and even causing them to be inscripturated that we might have thy word before us. We thank thee, O Lord our God, for thy merciful providence especially in this country where we may freely read thy word, study it, meditate upon it, where we may come together as we are now to worship thee in spirit and truth without fear of being dragged off to prison. Father, forgive us if we have ever taken these things for granted. We praise thee for thy many mercies toward thy people. And we thank thee especially for that glorious mercy of sending thy son to redeem us and for his love in coming to save his own. We thank thee and praise thee for our Lord Jesus Christ. And we ask these blessings and give thee praise and thanksgiving through his name, the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. <clears throat> In that day thou shalt say, I will give thanks unto thee, O Jehovah. I want to look back over these coming weeks, look back at the reason that Isaiah cries out that, and the Lord cries to him that he will say in that day, I will give thanks unto thee, O Jehovah. I want to look back at the reason for that, the cause for that. I want to look at this phrase in that day. I believe that we have learned that prophecies bear more, often bear more than one fulfillment. We have that rather well-known example in, in Matthew uh, 2.15 where Matthew refers a passage from Hosea 1 about God bringing his son out of Egypt 
which was a reference to the people, the children of Israel, being brought out of Egypt. But Matthew applies that to our Lord Jesus Christ when he was brought out of Egypt. That's just one example to give you an idea of what I have in mind. But I think that there are times when there's more than even two fulfillments in the scripture. And that's what we're gonna be looking at in the book of Isaiah, Lord willing, over the next several weeks. I believe that in the book of Isaiah and in these passages ahead of, in particularly ahead of uh, the chapter 12, that we have what appears to be applications uh, referring to the deliverance of the children of Israel from the Babylonish captivity. And, and then we have reference to the deliverance of God's people, those whom Christ came to save. We have, I believe, references, prophecies, promises regarding that, uh, people being delivered by the first advent of Christ coming and bringing salvation to his people. And we read in Matthew 121, rather famously, if I can put it that way, thou shalt call his name Jesus, the angel told Joseph, for it is he that shall save his people from their sins. So there's the promise and the prophecy of deliverance from that captivity in Babylon. There's, there's promise um, individually to individually chosen souls elect of God for salvation through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ uh, after his first advent. And I believe there may be uh, references also to the second advent of Christ and the consummation of all things in that day. It's quite a phrase actually, in that day. And there are uh, whichever translation that you use or whichever one you consider, there are at least more than 40 uh, instances in the book of Isaiah where that phrase, in that day, is employed. In that day. He says, thou shalt say, I will give thanks unto thee, O Jehovah, in that day. But what we're looking at in these promises and in these prophecies, when we look at in that day, I believe, as I've been suggesting, is uh, the then and the now. The then and the now, and the now and the not yet. We're looking at these aspects of what Isaiah, what God has caused Isaiah to say, what he has caused him to write down what the Holy Spirit has inscripturated from Isaiah's words in that day. There are many instances in the New Testament of that phrase, in that day. Of course, referring to a few things as we've already alluded to. In Matthew 7:22. Remember the words of our Lord Jesus Christ. Those awesome, rather frightening words, horrific words, when he says, many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not done this? Have we not done that? And of course you remember the horrific part of that is the Lord says to them, I never knew you. Depart from me. But it's in that day, and I believe that 
this frequently employed phrase in the Old Testament quite often as John Broadus has written. It's used to designate the time of Messiah in general. The time of Messiah in general. And as used in the New Testament, often it looks especially to the consummation of Messiah's kingdom and thus denotes the day of judgment as we see in Matthew 7.22, a reference, in that day, many will say to me, and he says, I never knew you, depart from me. In that day, being a reference to the day of judgment. In Mark, in the second chapter, in the 20th verse, you probably remember this occasion, the Pharisees, as they did so often, challenging Christ's disciples, and so on, but he says, the days will come. They were asking the, what Christ, why his disciples didn't fast. And Jesus said, the days will come when the bridegroom shall be taken away from them, and then will they fast. In that day, when the bridegroom is taken away from them. I, I believe it suggests that day, in that case, being a reference, <clears throat> obviously and literally, when Christ is taken away from them, when the bridegroom is taken away, then they will fast. But they don't need to fast now because Christ is with them. And it seems to be a, <coughs> a reference to uh, what some refer to as the church age or the times of the church. In other words, simply put and more accurately put, the time between the death of Christ or perhaps his ascension when he is taken away from them and the time of his coming again for his people. The interconnection in that passage between the uh, 19th verse and the 20th verse of, of Mark 2. The interconnection, we, we see the wording uh, be, because he is with them and it's placed in opposition to when he shall be taken away, William Lane says. In that day here refers to the time between the ascension and the second advent. They will fast in that day after they witness Christ's ascension. They're not going to fast while the bridegroom, Jesus Christ, is with them. They will fast then until the day of his return. You remember, of course, that ascension in Acts chapter 1, verses 1 through 8. Excuse me, I mean 8 through, uh, starting at 8, not 1 through 8. We read, but ye shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and ye shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth that age when the church, Christ is leaving his bride, he's leaving the church, his body, he's the head standing at the right hand of God and his church, his body is continuing his work on earth. And he has left them in order to do that work. And when he had said these things, as they were looking, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they were looking steadfastly into heaven, as he went, behold, two men stood by in white apparel, who also said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye looking 
into heaven. This Jesus who was received up from you into heaven shall so come in like manner as you beheld him going into heaven. We could say, ye men of Galilee, why stand you looking into heaven, looking up into heaven? There's work to be done. Christ has left you on earth to continue his work of gathering in his people, building his church, bringing in his kingdom in that day. Then they will fast. Then they will do, be doing these things until he returns. And in Luke chapter 6, we read another instance of this expression. In that day, in that day, we read in Luke 6 at verse 20, And he lifted up his eyes on his disciples and said, Blessed are ye poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are ye that hunger now, for ye shall be filled. Blessed are ye that weep now, for ye shall laugh. Blessed are ye when men shall hate you, and when they shall separate you from their company, and reproach you, and cast out your name as evil for the Son of Man's sake. Rejoice in that day. And leap for joy, for behold, your reward is great in heaven. For in the same manner did their fathers unto the prophets, and so on. Rejoice in that day. Blessed are ye poor. For yours is the kingdom of God. Ye hunger now. The now and the not yet. Ye hunger now. But ye shall be filled. Ye weep now, but ye shall laugh. Men hate you now. You are persecuted now. You are separated now. You are reproached now. Your name is cast out now. But rejoice in that day. In the day that is coming for your reward is great in heaven. A reminder of that. As uh, Mark referred to it this morning, that great getting up morning. In that day, you will be filled and you shall laugh and so on. And then in John, in the midst of that um, farewell address, as many call it, in John 14, and at verse 20, let me begin in 18. I will not leave you desolate. I come unto you. Yet a little while, and the world beholdeth me no more. But ye behold me, because I live, ye shall live also. In that day ye shall know that I am in my Father, and ye in me, and I in you. In that day ye shall know that I am in the Father. He's talking to them. He's telling them. He's promising that he's not going to leave them alone. He's going to send the Holy Spirit, another comforter. He is a comforter and he's leaving and his disciples are concerned about his leaving, but he's giving them this promise that he will not leave them desolate. He's sending the Holy Spirit. And I believe this is a reference to that reality. In that day, ye shall know that I am in my Father and ye in me. 
and I in you in the day of the coming of God the Holy Spirit at Pentecost. Again, the now and the not yet referred to. On that day, in that day, before long or in a little while, as some render it, before long. It sees this departure, John sets this departure in a little while and the return after a little while as utterly central to the themes that he has been developing in these chapters. Again, the now and the not yet. The comforter will come. The comforter is promised here. In Acts 2.41, we see the effect of that. In Peter's preaching, we see that blessed and glorious manifestation of what Christ has just been telling them. That they would know that he is in the Father and they are in him. We read that passage in Acts 2.41. We read after Peter's sermon and after the people came to him that were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brethren, what shall we do? And Peter exhorted them to repent and be baptized, every one of you, and were told that there were added unto them in that day about 3,000 souls. The Holy Spirit had been poured out. <coughs> but in preaching the gospel, Peter, at Pentecost, Peter refers to another passage in the Old Testament that's recorded earlier in this second chapter, a passage from Joel, chapter 2. Regarding the last days, it shall be in the last days I will pour forth of my spirit upon all flesh, Peter reminds them, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams, and on and on, telling them that this is happening according to the word that was given through the prophet Joel years and years ago, but that these 3,000 saved souls were a result of that promise of God the Holy Spirit being given, being poured out, coming down on that great day of Pentecost. We continue seeing effects <clears throat> in that day, 3,000 souls, because Christ had told them, but ye shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And they receive power, and it's especially prominent for our ears and eyes that Peter received power. This poor old fisherman, uneducated fisherman, uneducated formally at, all, at any rate, preaching with the power and demonstration of God the Holy Spirit after Pentecost. And that's an effect. That's an effect in that day. And that was the day of, between the ascension and the return of our Lord Jesus Christ. And then just one other example of that use of that expression in that day. In 2 Thessalonians, Paul, speaking <clears throat> of another day. And he speaks in the 10th verse of the first chapter of 2 Thessalonians. 
speaking of the coming of Christ in flaming fire and so on. You know that, you know that passage, I'm sure. But he says, when he shall come to be glorified in his saints and to be marveled at in all them that believe because our testimony unto you was believed in that day. The testimony was believed in that day. But Paul's referring to the same in that day, is he not, that Christ was referring to or that Matthew was referring to when Christ told those folk that came to him saying, Lord, Lord, and he said, I never knew you, depart from me. Those that, <clears throat> I believe that, that Isaiah has reference to these three instances, these three events, if you will, the, the deliverance, as I said, the Old Testament deliverance of God's people from Israel, from Babylon, and then the deliverance of his people in the time of the preaching of the gospel, the time of, of uh, the church, if you will, that the spirit was poured out and that, <clears throat> that there's in that day after the Holy Spirit is poured out that there's deliverance. Not that it didn't begin prior to that, but that there's deliverance for God's people in that day. And I believe that as we go through these uh, instances, as we go through these prophecies that we will see how that there are references to each of these and the references in that day referring to the consummation, referring to the revelation of Jesus Christ from heaven and the end of all things, the consummation of the work of Christ and the taking of his people to himself. But those that <clears throat> gave thanks for the deliverance from Babylon, we read about in Ezra, in Ezra, <clears throat> as Ezra and Nehemiah and Zerubbabel and others um, have been freed to go and rebuild the temple and to rebuild the city. We see them giving thanks for that delivery that deliverance that has been spoken of by the prophets and by Isaiah. They give thanks in Ezra chapter three and at verse 10, we read these words. And when the builders laid the foundation of the temple of Jehovah, they set the priests in their apparel with trumpets and the Levites, the sons of Asaph, with cymbals to praise Jehovah after the order of King David of Israel. And they sang one to another in praising and giving thanks unto to Jehovah, saying, for he is good, for his loving kindness endureth forever. They sang praise for the building, the rebuilding of Jerusalem, the rebuilding of the temple, and so on. And Nehemiah tells us in like manner that they sang one to another, praising and giving thanks unto Jehovah, saying, for he is good, and so on. And all the people shouted with a great shout when they praised Jehovah because the foundation of the house of Jehovah was laid. In our day, when we think of foundation, who is? That foundation that has been laid for the building of the church. Paul tells us in Ephesians that the foundation is the apostles and the prophets, but who's the chief foundation? Who's the chief cornerstone? It's our Lord Jesus Christ. 
And for these things, we have much praise and thanksgiving to give for those things that have taken place in the day appointed, in that day appointed by God and foretold by his prophets. As again, among them, one of the chief being Isaiah, these people gathered together to give thanks and praise, even in fashion as we read Isaiah in Isaiah chapter 12, where we began talking about praise being rendered. That's what they were doing because of these things. There are those that will give thanks also today. There are those that will give thanks and praise forever and ever in the great day. Forever giving thanks. It's intimated, it's intimated for us in Revelation, I believe, in that fifth chapter where we read about the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, and so on, and how that he took the book. Nobody else could take the book, but this one that, that, that stood as a lamb standing as though it had been slain, took the book. And when he had taken the book, we're told, the four living creatures and the four and twenty elders fell down before the Lamb, having each of them a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sing a new song. And here's the song I think that Isaiah is also likely referring to as he prophesies, Worthy art thou to take the book and to open the seals thereof, for thou wast slain and didst purchase unto God with thy blood men of every tribe and tongue and people and nation and madest them to be unto our God a kingdom and priests and they reign upon the earth. Again, they sing in a later, just a few lines down, worthy is the lamb that hath been slain. Worthy is the lamb that hath been slain. Those in that great day, including ourselves, by God's grace, singing a, a new song. We'll be singing praise unto God. We'll be singing praise unto the Lamb. We will fall down before him and sing his praise. I believe Isaiah is referencing that as well, that great day when every tribe and every tongue and people and nation will be falling down before the Lamb and praising him that salvation and the church is to be giving thanks today we read Paul's words in 1st Corinthians 15 he says oh death where is thy victory oh death where is thy sting the sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law but thanks be to God who giveth us the victory thanks be to God who giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ Christ is the victory Thanks be to God for the blood of the Lamb. Thanks be to God for his unspeakable gift. I trust that we each <clears throat> feel something of that when we come to his table as we did this morning. To remember him, we're reminded of that broken body, that shed blood. We're reminded of his great love, his infinite love for his people. That love that compelled him, if you will, to Jerusalem, knowing what awaited him, knowing that his body was going to be lifted up and nailed to a cross, but he went because of his love for his people and his love for his Father's glory. He went 
in order to lay down his life for us. And we're reminded of that every month. And hopefully we're reminded of it every day in our reading of the scriptures at home, in our studying of the scriptures, in our praying, in our meditating upon the love of Christ for his people. One said about these individuals that are redeemed, that are saved, simply talking about the Old Testament deliverance and, and these other deliverances, John Dick said, the same energy is exerted in modern conversions as in those which took place in the beginning of the gospel. When the Lord shall send the rod of his strength out of Zion, the people shall be willing in the day of his power. So from the Proto-Evangelium in Genesis 3.15, where we're told that the seed of, about the seed of the woman that will crush the serpent's head, that will bring this salvation to his people. When we, when we read that or think about that proto-evangelium to Jacob's pronouncement in Genesis 49, until Shiloh come, all pointing us to Christ, to the covenant announced to David in 2 Samuel 7. Continuing that reality of the seed, the promised seed that is coming in its course through Shiloh, through Samuel, uh, covenant made with, with David that he was going to be set upon a throne, intimating the coming son of David, the greater son of David. We are brought to these prophetic utterances of the virgin birth, are we not? The given son, the shoot and the stock that we read about in the prophecies. Isaiah 2.11, in that day. Isaiah 4.2, in that day shall the branch of Jehovah be beautiful and glorious. And we were shown this morning, directed to the glory of Christ. In that day shall the branch of Jehovah be beautiful and glorious. And later on in 11.10, we read, and his resting place shall be glorious. And we can anticipate by God's grace resting with him. And it will be glorious. We're familiar with Isaiah 7.14. Therefore, the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. God shall be with us. God is with us. For unto us, in chapter 9, a child is born. Unto us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder. And I say 11, there shall come forth a shoot out of the stock of Jesse. And a branch out of his roots shall bear fruit. We read, we read in Zechariah, and a fountain shall be opened unto the house of David. A fountain shall be opened for the house of David for sin and uncleanness. And who is that fountain? Oh, the prophecies of Christ are glorious and grand and wonderful. In that day, the prophets say, in that day, Isaiah has said, in that day, in the day when the branch of Jehovah shall be beautiful and glorious, in the day when 
when is brought forth the seed of the woman, in the day when Shiloh appears, in the day when he who is our covenant shall come, in the day when a virgin shall conceive, in the day when unto us a son is given, in the day when comes forth a shoot out of the stock of Jesse and a branch out of his roots, in the day when the fountain shall be opened, what a glorious day in that day. And the prophets are all pointing. God is pointing. The Holy Spirit is pointing. He who inspired the scriptures is pointing to that wonderful day. In that day, Isaiah says in 12, Thou shalt say, I will give thanks unto thee, O Jehovah. Those that belong to Christ are to say in this day, we thank thee, O Jehovah, for thine only begotten Son. We thank thee, O Lord God, our Heavenly Father, for giving us thy Son, for this redemption that is only through his blood. In this Thanksgiving Psalm, as I refer to it, of Isaiah 12, and as I've already mentioned, it would be, it would be very suitable to sing at the Lord's table this Thanksgiving, this praising God and giving him thanks for his wonderful mercies. The psalmist expresses the work of Christ in the 68th Psalm, and Paul cites that in Ephesians 4, 8. Thou hast ascended on high. Thou hast led away captives, the psalmist said. Thou hast received gifts among men, yea, among the rebellious, also, that Jehovah God might dwell with them, that God might dwell with us. And cited in Ephesians 4, as I said, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. But first, if I can borrow a term from another passage of Scripture, but first he gave himself. Christ gave himself for his people. And I hope that we're going to be able to see through the prophets, Isaiah in particular, the promises of the coming one, the promises wrapped around him, the promises evolving through the grace of our Lord, evolving through his mercy, that love that we cannot comprehend having loved us from before the foundation of the world. I thank God that we have eternity to learn of that, for it will take eternity to understand it. Let us pray. <coughs> oh, Lord our God, we thank thee and praise thee for thy word that through the Spirit himself has revealed Christ to us, has revealed thyself to us, has revealed thy love for us. Oh, Lord our God, may it be our meditation all the day, we ask. For thy glory through Jesus Christ, amen. <coughs> if you'd stand, please. The benediction from Psalm 30 in verse 5. For his anger is but for a moment, his favor is for a lifetime. Weeping may tarry for the night, but joy cometh in the morning. Amen.